to Life Talks with Stephen and Pam. Well, hello, everyone. This is Pam, and we're so glad to be here with you. We know that today God's going to declare, disclose, and transmit the will of the Father, because that's what He promised. And you've positioned yourself to pay attention. And if you're driving in the car, if you're jogging, if you're on the way to school, if you're sitting down with your family, we're getting so much responses from people who love to sit down with us every day and get their family, their kids together, and they all go through the Word of God together with us. So make it a family time. Make it a husband and wife time, you know, sometimes even just getting up 30 minutes earlier, you can make this happen. Or friends in a coffee shop sharing uh, earbuds, right? That's right. That's happening too. Yeah. Well, let's start with prayer. I just feel led to pray a certain way as we begin going to the Word. As you know, we always start by asking the Holy Spirit and inviting Him for His help. So right now, Holy Spirit, we never want to take for granted the privilege we have of access to Your presence. We ask You to breathe this Word, this Word of wisdom. Proverbs 5, Holy Spirit, breathe it into our hearts. Give us revelation, and we will never be the same again. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that according to Romans 14, 17, where it says the kingdom of God is rightness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit, make that happen right now as we read the Word of God. There's people listening that need more than just rightness, more than just correction to their thinking, more than just that part of it, Lord, which is so important, but more than just thinking right, we need joy. Yes. Lord, we need peace. Yes. Father, the peace of God, Jesus, you said, my peace I give unto you. Not like the world gives, but my peace I give unto you. Lord, that's what we want to receive right now. So Holy Spirit, give us that rightness as we approach the Word of God, but give us joy unspeakable and full of glory. As it says in 1 Peter, Lord, give us that joy unspeakable and give us your peace, Master. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Proverbs 5. All right, Pam, kick us off in verse 1. My son and daughter, be attentive to my wisdom, my godly wisdom, learned by actual and costly experience, and incline your ear to my understanding of what is becoming and what is prudent for you, which we know prudent means having foresight for the future. Yeah, and isn't it interesting, Like just like when we went through chapter 4, here we are again, there's a cost to wisdom. And it says, my son and my daughter, be attentive right. to my Pay wisdom. Pay attention. Yeah, there's admission to the show. <laughs> right. It's your attention. Right. It's your attention. It's being attentive. It's, you know, I get that picture from Martha and Mary. Remember, Martha was busy in the kitchen serving Jesus and the disciples. But Mary, Jesus said about Mary, Mary has chosen the better part the better, that yeah. won't be taken away from her. Right. And what was Mary doing? She was at the feet of Jesus, attentive, listening. All right, verse 2, that you may exercise discrimination and discretion, good judgment, and your lips may reserve knowledge and answer wisely to temptation. Pam, you and I have a dear friend who is an amazing man. Bill's an older gentleman who has absolutely heroic qualities. He was raised on a farm where his dad taught him how to work, served his country as a military man in Vietnam, 
came home, served his city as a police officer. He's definitely what you'd call an officer and a gentleman. He's a class act all the way around. Bill is a great husband. He's a wonderful father, a grandfather. He's a basketball coach. He serves in his church. Pam, you and I know this. Bill's funnier than most comedians any day of the week. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's faithful. He, yeah, he's, he's high so integrity. Awesome. He keeps his word, and he's generous to a fault. Very I love much. this guy. Oh, very generous. Bill loves the Lord, which is, you know, for me, that's paramount because yeah. he's got the blood of Jesus in him, and that makes him a brother in Christ. And he's a child of God. And Pam, with respect to this conversation, Bill is African-American. Right. And I love talking to him about his past. He has such an amazing perspective because, you know, he's felt the injustice and the prejudice based on skin color, even working as a police officer. But he's never let it stop him, hinder him, or, or contaminate his honorable view of life, living, love, or for that matter, forgiveness. Yeah. I even love how Bill has raised his children without a hint of prejudice being passed on to them. He hasn't let the stink of this world's stupid thinking contaminate his thinking. So now he's taught his kids proper discernment, how to properly differentiate between immoral and moral, between faithless and faithful, between those who love what's false and those who love what is true. And Bill uses his life experience to volunteer, help other people's kids. Nobody can talk to kids like Bill. Kids who are forgotten, fatherless, feel unloved because he truly cares with God's love. He's the real thing. Bill's a real man, and you and I, we love him and his wife. They're just precious friends of ours. It's an honor to have a real live war hero as your friend. You're right. So good at unfolding what honor is and what um, wisdom is and what pursuit of integrity. And like you said, keeping your word. They're so good at that. Both him and his wife are amazing. Who would I rather spend time with, a war hero like him, or somebody who's full of scorning, mocking, right. foolishness. Him and his wife are just amazing people, dear friends of ours. I exercise proper discretion, good judgment, that I may hang out with people like him and avoid people that are completely opposite of him or people that dislike him. You've got it in your book. Based on Proverbs, you guys got to get this book, <laughs> 31 Ways to Your Best Days. You talk about don't sit on the couch of scorning. Don't sit and hang out and become intimately acquainted with people that are given to scorn. There are people that literally live a life of scorning. You know, you see those parents on those St. Jude commercials tears running down their faces, their little girl or little boy is fighting some disease and, you know, maybe leukemia or some blood disease or something. I guarantee you put boxing gloves on any of those moms. Oh, yeah. And if cancer were to walk in the room, that mom would haul off and punch that thing right in the face without any mercy. That's right. With full, <laughs> with full discrimination. Right, against Every, that disease. I would mm -hmm. think any good mom discriminates against cancer. What is wrong and, and destructive and painful and hurting. Yeah, it was a mom whose child was killed by drunk drivers who started the organization Mothers Against Drunk Driving. You know, the word discrimination, when you look it up in the dictionary, the word discrimination means the quality or power of finally distinguishing. Wow. You can do it improperly, because remember, we just read in verse 2 that you may exercise proper discrimination. So I would think 
improper discrimination right at the top of the list to me would be racial discrimination, gender discrimination, you know, socioeconomics. When you discriminate against people because, well, this guy's got a net worth of a million, this guy's only got a net worth of 10 bucks. Right. You know, that Jesus completely frowned on that. He, in fact, he would a lot of times give the Pharisees a good tongue lashing for that kind of discrimination. The Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. Well, the Pharisees were completely respecters. They were the opposite. They were respecters of persons. Somebody came in with a nice ring on their finger, they treated them to the best seat in the house. Yeah. Somebody came in that didn't smell the best and had on really rough clothes, and they you know, said, hey, you need to stand outside and just listen through the window. Yeah, but you know, it's going to go on to three here, and it really goes hand in hand. When you, number two, when you exercise proper discernment and precise understanding, really clearly seeing the picture, yeah. what's evil, what is good, then it goes on to three, for the lips of a loose woman drip honey as honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. In other words, a person that is trying to be destructive and trying to lure you in, saying good things, flattery, whatever, right. but pulling you into a destructive situation, you have to, in your heart and mind and spirit, quickly discern and discriminate, this is not right. Right. And quickly in your mind, you make that strong definition barrier or wall like this is wrong. I will not go there. If we don't know what is right or wrong, it doesn't mean we we pass judgment on a person or a thing. But if we don't know what is right and wrong, how can we walk in the rightness of God? That's good, Pam. If we could actually end up choosing fear in life, Mm -hmm. you've got to grab onto faith and hold on to faith. And you've got to use discretion and be anti-fear. I'm anti-fear. That's right. Why? Because it short circuits faith. So I'm anti-fear. I discriminate against fear right. in my life. I'm hard on it. I, I want to come against it in the name of Jesus. In fact, James says, resist the spirit of fear or resist the devil and he will flee from you. I want ugly things like that staying away from me because things like fear cause us to treat people wrongly. That's so good, honey. I would dare say, you know where racial discrimination comes from? Ignorance and fear. The ugliness Mm -hmm. of ignorance and fear when we don't know God's word and how much God values and honors people. The Bible says that all mankind is made in the image of God. So to look down your nose at another person is to literally come against God. And be against his design. I really appreciate, you know, we've been overseas, honey, doing a lot of missionary work all over South Africa and helping uh, orphanages in India and just understanding the different religions in the world and the difference between Jesus, the relationship with Jesus. Jesus came to say, you know, in me, you are all equal. At that moment, you are equal. If you want to do things my way and you turn to me, you are my sons and my daughters. And I think that a lot of times the world will exalt different religions. If you delve into most all the religions in the world, they always diminish and demote a lot of times the females, a lot of times women, a lot of times children. A lot of societies are anti-children. And I mean, think about it. Jesus came to lift and exalt and make equal. Yeah, you're you're right. Verse four, but in the end, talking about this picture of this loose woman represents this spirit of looseness and seduction. It says, verse four, but in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged and devouring sword. Wow. Five, her feet go down to death. 
Her steps take hold of Shoals, Hades, the place of the dead. Verse 6, she loses sight of and walks not in the path of life. Her ways wind about aimlessly and you cannot know them. And I think we need to go back, remind ourselves what this is. This is a spirit of seduction, spirit of wrong, the spirit of evil that is seducing, that sounds right. In this world today, we have to have our discerner on. There's the words, voices that sound right, that but they're sound evil. kind, that sound loving, but the fruit of them is nothing but destruction, confusion, and chaos. So you have to realize this is what it's saying. It's the voice of wrong, but it's sounding right. It'll always lead to destruction. Seven, now therefore my sons and daughters listen to me and to depart not from the words of my mouth. The words of my mouth are the words of wisdom. Don't depart from the words of wisdom. It says, verse eight, let your way in life be far from her talking about the spirit, talking about these relationships that are controlled by this evil spirit and set up for disaster. Let your way in life be far from her and come not near the door of her house. Avoid the very scenes of temptation. You know, Pam, I've met people that somehow believe in this term missionary dating. You know, you've heard it, friendship evangelism, stuff like that. And I understand the heart for the lost when they put terms like that together. The problem is the terms don't stand the test of God's wisdom. So they end up sowing confusion. And the problem is, Pam, it's the immature, inexperienced, you know, those who are new to the faith, along with mature believers who are wiser but might find themselves in a vulnerable season in their life. They end up getting deceived and they end up getting, you know, there's nothing more deceitful than our own hearts. Our hearts can deceive us. And if somebody's throwing at us terms like missionary dating or friendship evangelism and stuff like that, then you start thinking that sounds sounds good. That sounds like a good thing to do. It sounds like it must be God's way. It contradicts the Word of God because when you read the Word of God, John 15, 14, Jesus said this, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. To say that Jesus is just kind of loosey-goosey spreading the love around and it's just kind of indiscriminate love that just kind of is sloppy. Well, I, you That's know, completely untrue. The clarity is that he so loved the world that he gave. He loves everyone. His mercy endureth forever. But friendship, this is Jesus. This isn't somebody else saying, but what you just quoted yeah. is Jesus himself coming out of his mouth and saying, it's in red. I love <laughs> you. I'm dying for you. I'm dying for everyone. Yeah. My mercy well, endureth forever. Well, thank God he died for us or oh, we, would, we would be on our way to hell. Thank I know. God, Jesus... I was a sinner, lost, blind to my sin, and Jesus intersected in my life and gave me his cross, paid the price, took my place, died on a cross for me and set me free, rose up from the grave and reigns as King Jesus. And he says through Romans 5.17, through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, Steve and Pam get to reign as kings in life. But through, it's through Jesus. Through Christ Jesus. But again, Jesus said, I love you. I love everyone. But if you want to be called my friend, this yeah. is what Jesus said. Yeah. You want to hear my way and you desire to do things my way. That is the prerequisite for a friend of God. So let me read that again. Verse 8 says, let your way in life be far from her. And again, some of you are thinking, well, well, Stephen, how do I win that person that's caught up in an adulterous life or in this living in this lascivious life? How do I win that person to Jesus? Well, remember, 2 Corinthians 6, 17 says, so come out from among unbelievers 
and separate, sever yourselves from them, says the Lord, and touch not any unclean thing. Then God says, I will receive you kindly and treat you with favor. The best thing you can do for the lost is to live a life deep in the kindness of God living in the glory of God's favor, because it is the goodness of God that leads men and women to repentance. My life has been transformed many times when I've seen the goodness of God in other people, and it's convicted me. It's caused me to leave my way and follow and pursue God's way that's manifesting in their life. But here it says, let your way in life be far from her. Come not near the door of her house. Avoid the very scenes of temptation. I remember a CEO telling me one time, he said, Stephen, he said, this has been a great law that I've practiced in successful business. It's not enough to do the right thing. You've also got to look like you're doing the right thing. Well, that's Bible. The word says, don't just go near her door. It says, avoid even the scene of temptation. It's not enough just to do the right thing. You've even got to look like you're doing the right thing. And that leads us to verse 9. Lest you give your honor to others and your years to those without mercy. That's so powerful. You know, when you go down roads, when you do things wrong and not right, when you, you don't follow this All of a sudden, you wake up one day and go, what happened? I thought I was evangelizing. I thought I was doing the right thing. And my years are gone. I don't feel mercy. I don't feel honored. I feel like my life is a mess. And I think it's very important. Sometimes I think as human beings, we want to go to these extremes. We want to go one way or the other. Jesus walked. He loved. If Jesus was walking on earth today, he would go into Kroger and smile. He might even walk by someone and say, be healed. And, you know, you open the door and you, every chance you get, you tell people of your faith and your love and your hope in Jesus Christ. That's what it is. But there has to be this place where you're not being affected by them, but you're affecting them. Yeah, And that is coming from a strong place, coming from a place where your inner core are people that believe like you. You get strength and you go out and you bring in and you, you go out to the community and you reach out, but it has to be with discernment. You can't just hang with them and expect them Because this is the word, lest you give your honor to others and your years to those without mercy. Well, Pam, 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And I think there's a lot of times within Christian circles, people think that good company will somehow moralize if that's even a word, bad company or bad characters. There's no scriptural proof for that. In Luke 15, the prodigal son had to come to the end of his ways and himself and in the pig pen realize that this is disgusting. Mm -hmm. I can't, I'm not even allowed to eat when I'm feeding these stupid pigs. Mm -hmm. And it says he comes to himself and he realizes that even the employees of his dad are living a better life than this. And so he starts practicing this humility speech, going to tell his dad, please, can I just get a job working in your fields just because life he knew was going to be so much better being an employee of his dad. It was on his way home. It's when he had his speech prepared and the word says, and he came to himself. When that happened, then he was pursuing not what was in the father's hand, but what was truly in the father's heart. And verse 10 now it says, so you don't want to give your honors to other. You don't want to have this relationship. You want to stay far away from this person. And it says, 10, if you don't, less strangers and false teaching 
take their fill of your strength and wealth, and all your labors go to the house of an alien from God. I remember preaching one time on relationships, and afterwards this businessman came up to me and he said, Pastor Stephen, I just got to talk to you. He said, I want you to know I am an example, my story of actually doing the wrong thing that you just preaching we shouldn't do. He said, I was going into business, things were looking really good. I brought in a partner that had no respect for God, that didn't know the Savior, and wanted nothing to do with him. And I thought to myself, he's a good businessman. This is a great chance to do good business, and I'll just rub off on him, and I'll end up influencing him, and he'll come to Jesus. Long story short, I ended up losing millions. He says, I ended up going bankrupt. losing so much of my peace. It was hard on my marriage, hard on my family. You know, I'm back doing really well now, but he says, I'm in business with believers. Mm -hmm. Um, We're equally yoked. We have a a like mind and a like faith. We're all believing in Jesus and we're all tithing and giving and that's how we live. We're succeeding now, but I know what it's like to fail miserably having the wrong relationship. I think that's so important. If you really say, if we say we're compassionate, if we say we want to reach out and give the world the love of Jesus, then you see this man learned out of a strong place you can give. Yeah. Out of a weak place, you cannot give what you don't have to give. Right. And it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance, to lead people to want to turn and believe on Jesus. This man now, this businessman, he's at a strong place. So when he has money to give, he can reach out to people. He can bring the gospel, the good news to them. And then they have a choice to turn because it's out of a strong place. And hey, listen, if you're working in a factory or or you're in a business, you're working at Starbucks, and you're working with other people who aren't believers. I'm not telling you that you have to work in a business. No. It's completely all Christians. But you see, this man was a business owner going into partnership with another owner. That's a different story. Who they had complete different beliefs. When you're the driver of the ship, you're the boss of this business, and you make a covenant to do business and to be owners with somebody who has no faith in God, doesn't want to do God's way of doing things, it becomes complicated even having a Christmas party. You don't want to have all the alcohol flowing at the party, and you don't want to have something that you don't even call Christmas because this guy's anti-Christ. You see how complicated it gets? Uh If you're on the line working in a factory and there's unbelievers around you, man, that's an awesome opportunity Mm -hmm. to be an example of Jesus. But at the same time, too, it doesn't mean that you guys are besties. Like Jesus said, You're my friend if you do what I say, if you obey my commandments. So there's lots of people, and I'm talking to you, my friends, there's lots of people that obey Jesus and pursue the kingdom of God. Those are people that you need to invest your time in, and you'll see your life will be blessed and prosperous. 11, because if you don't do that, (laughs) you're going to groan and mourn when your incomes, when your flesh and body are consumed. And verse 12, and you say, how I hated instruction and discipline. Stephen and Pam were trying to give me some instruction and discipline, and I said, forget that, man. I'm not reading (laughs) Proverbs 5, verse 12. Come on. And in my heart despised reproof when they were kind of reproving me about my relationships, and I was out for a run, and Pam started talking about not having right relationships. I got kind of convicted, and I was like, forget that, man. I can be a friend with whoever I want. Right. (laughs) (laughs) 13. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor submitted and consented to those who instructed me. 
And that's what we're all doing right now. The mm-hmm. Holy Spirit's instructing all of us. All of us. Every one of us, mm-hmm. you know, Me listening too. to this, we should all be doing a little bit of an accounting, taking stock of our relationships. Yeah. Holy Spirit, search us. Search our relationships. Verse 14, the extent and boldness of my sin involved almost all evil in the estimation of the congregation and the community. So in other words, the outcome of wrong relational decisions ends up having a manifestation in your life, so much so that even the congregation, the church congregation, and the community at large ends up seeing the failure of your misaligned relationships. The word says, can two walk together except they be agreed? The Bible instructs us, don't be unequally yoked. This is powerful. It really is. And you know, this reminds me, basically what it's saying is you can't listen to two people at the same time. You know, if you continue to listen to the voice of wrong, you cannot listen to the voice of good. So you have to choose which one you're going to walk with. And I'm thinking of the statement that you always say, what you look at and listen to determines what you believe. What you believe masters your choices, and your choices are the sum painting of your life. And I really believe that your statement there kind of backs up a lot of this, sir, or the scripture backs up a lot of your statement. Well, you know, for some folks, Pam, who are saying right now, well, you know, like, Stephen, I have such a heart for the lost. I feel like you're telling me I can't have a relationship with the lost. No, that's not true. That's not true. You know, the word it says in Philippians 4, verse 5, it says, let your gentleness be made known to all men, for mm-hmm. the Lord is at hand. And your kindness and your so, mercy. Yeah, merciful. We read a proverb where it says, bind mercy and truth about your neck. We can be gentle to all of humanity, and we can express kindness and forgiveness. Somebody cuts you off in traffic, be quick to forgive. Be quick to bless people. When people do you wrong, the word says we're to bless our enemies, to love our enemies. Well, how do you do that? One of the greatest blessings you can do is forgive them. Let it drop. But it doesn't mean that you are in a covenant relationship with them. You need to be able to distinguish your spans of relationship and what really a friend is. And Jesus said this, you know, when talking about winning the world and winning those who are outside of Jesus, look at this, John 13, 34 says this, Jesus said, I'm giving you guys all a new commandment, talking to his tight circle of disciples. And he said, here's the new commandment, that you love one another. Mm. Now look around the room. There's just a few people he's talking to. And he says, love one another just as I have loved you, so you are to love one another. And the cool thing about that is that he said, in doing this, when you love one another, verse 35, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Isn't that what it's all about? Yes. If the world is going to know that we truly are Jesus' disciples, it's going to be because we effectively and perfectly love one another. That's right. The people within your family, the people within your worldwide church family. Yeah, you, you know, I think so many times we have patience for everyone else we're witnessing to in the world that hasn't yet come to Jesus, which I'm not saying we shouldn't, but then we come home and we're cranky and we are uh, we can't forgive and we have no patience for our brothers and sisters or our family members. Right, right. We just gripe all the time and we, you know, hold grudges and, but I'm wanting the loss to the Lord. Well, you know what, if they don't see you walking in love, if they 
they don't see us walking in love, forgiving, being quick to forgive, being quick to bless and not curse, they're not going to want what we've got, no matter how kind we are to them. You and I, we've ministered in prisons. We've ministered in maximum state security prisons, and we've brought the love of God to those guys. And And the Lord's put it in our heart to be compassionate, merciful, and to express love to them, yes. the love of Jesus. With sincerity. But at the same time, too, we still have to hold that with verse 8, where we read, let your way in life be far from that seductress, that that seducing spirit. Be far from, don't come near the door of that house. If you're tempted with sexual sin, you're tempted with maybe drug addiction, you're tempted with these things, don't try to tell me that you're trying to win the loss by Mm -hmm. working the slums. Right. Like Stay away from that door where you used to go get drugs. Stay away from that place. Verse 15. Drink waters out of your own cistern of pure marriage relationship and fresh running waters out of your own well. Verse 16. Should your offspring be dispersed abroad as water brooks in the streets? And like, in other words, you know, you shouldn't be looking out in your neighborhood and go, well, it's, I got a son by that woman and then I've got a daughter from that woman over there and then I've got, you know, children over here. And, I, you know, when I was down in Louisiana for a while, I've got a few kids over there. It's like the word is saying that's a crazy life. That's not the way to live your life where you're, you should put a priority on the streams in your life, the seed in your life, whether it's your biological seed or whether it's your word seed. It's Your time, should, your affection, your exactly, compassion, your mercy. There should be an assignment yes. to it that's within the realm of covenant and not just this kind of random way of living, which has bred a society right now that's, for the most part, fatherless. 17. Confine yourself to your own wife. Let your children be for you alone and not the children of strangers with you. Verse 18. Let your fountain of human life be blessed with the rewards of fidelity and rejoice in the wife of your youth. 19. Let her be as a loving hind and pleasant doe, tender, gentle, attractive. Let her bosom satisfy you at all times and always be transported with delight in her soul. I'm so glad you got that (laughs) verse and not me. (laughs) You know, I was kind of embarrassed. I was trying to go over it really fast. But you know, also sometimes, you know, if you think about it, it's a place of comfort. Mm. And I think sometimes you get a hug and, and let's not even think of it like that way, like wifely. If you even just think of about let the place where God has designed the family that God's put you in, the covenant, you know, get your comfort and your kindness and, you know, like your affection and yeah, enjoy it and appreciate it and value it and be grateful for it. We live what I feel like is a biblical law. What you celebrate comes to you and what you fail to recognize moves away from you. Right. I've done this in premarital counseling with a lot of young couples and a lot of even middle-aged couples is to encourage them to take into marriage the plan to celebrate one another, to articulate it. I don't buy into that whole thing. where I'm kind of a quiet person. I don't want to always have to be telling her that I love her and that I appreciate her. Listen, your words are seeds. And if her love language is affirmation, or if his love language is affirmation, or touch, or whatever, you need to be able to use the seeds that God has given you, the weight of your words, of your expression, of your touch, And to be able to look that person in the eye and even give them good questions, pointed questions. 
tell me about your day today. Like, how did it go? How did that appointment with, you know, your friend this afternoon go? And ask questions that basically convey, I'm interested in you. You matter to me. As we read that, Pam, what you were just talking about, let her be as the loving hind and pleasant doe. I know sometimes in marriages, people pay more attention to their dog or to, if he's a farmer, to his cattle in his field than he does to her. Let her be as the loving hind and pleasant doe, tender, gentle, attractive. Remember what attracted you to one another and celebrate your differences. I love the way you think. I love that you think differently than me. I love, you know, like if she's got long hair, you know, celebrate her long hair. If she's got short hair, celebrate her short hair. But celebrate the goodness in one another. Do the same thing with your children. And thank God they're different. And thank God that they have different interests even in you and that they like to do this and that one's loud and one's quiet. And (laughs) celebrate that Mm -hmm. in each one of them. But if you want your children to come to you when they're adults and when they've got busy lives, remember this. What you celebrate now will come to you later. What you fail to recognize right now, the sad thing is you will lose. You will lose connection. You'll be disqualified from access in the future. So please, I'm telling you, take encouragement instruction from this verse right now and let her be as the loving hind, pleasant doe. Celebrate her. Celebrate your friends and your relationships. Verse 20, why should you, my son or my daughter, be infatuated with loose people? Mm-hmm. With and embrace the bosom of an outsider, you know, the, the close, intimate mm-hmm. relationship of That's an right. outsider, and go astray. Well, like, why should you do that? And look at the outcome, verse 21. For the ways of man are directly before the eyes of the Lord, and he who would have us live soberly, chastely, and godly carefully weighs all of man's goings. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen a lot of times people who, perhaps men that really love their families, but just non-expressive, would never pray with them never sits down and reads the word with them. They love their family. They provide for their family, but even maybe not even open the door doing something kind, but they're good people. But you know, all the time they're opening to the door for a woman at work, which is fine, which is good. That's a light to the world. But how about being kind also to your family first? Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes we have to realize that the Lord watches these things And this is good ground. You know, you always have said in premarital counseling, I've heard you say, you want the richest ground, your spouse and your children and your covenant family is the richest ground to pour your first fruits into as far as affection, kindness, patience, love, kindness. And that's basically what this is saying. Yeah, that's so good, Pam. Verse 22, his own iniquities shall ensnare the wicked. So in other words, the law of reciprocity, the seed that this person sows will be the thing that ensnares them. And they shall be held with the cords of their sin. 23, this is kind of sad. He will die for lack of discipline and instructions. And then the greatness of his folly, he will go astray and be lost. I like to also say, if that's when you don't do things right, but when you do two things right, You will live with the instruction and wisdom of the Lord, and you will not go astray, Yeah, and you will finish strong. That's That's, basically, let's, let's say the opposite of what that means. Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, instruction, so this is telling us what happens when you don't have instruction, you end up dying. Mm -hmm. 
But when we have discipline, when we have instruction, when we are kept in the way, when we're mentored, as we read earlier in one of the chapters, the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father in whom he delights. Right. I'm thankful my God loves me so much that he convicts me and convinces me of wrong and tells me when I'm off. And I remember when we first got married one time, you and I were having a discussion. <laughs> I remember, you know, something inside of each one of us. I don't know anybody that gets into a, an argument or a discussion that doesn't want to be right. Everybody wants to be right. When you hear people talk about politics, there isn't a person that engages in a political discussion that doesn't want to be right. You and I were having a discussion, and at the end of it, somehow, I came away seeming to be the one right. And I remember you saying, oh, okay, right, okay. It was almost like you bowed out, submitted. Okay, I've kind of won the discussion. And I remember walking down the hall, the Holy Spirit just arresting me saying, okay, Stephen, hold up. What just happened there? And I like to talk to the Lord and just, I'm giving him the letter of the law. Well, Lord, (laughs) you know, this and this, and you know, I was right about this, and I had the facts right, and this and this. And I remember the Holy Spirit saying, but you're wrong. Your attitude is wrong. Your heart is wrong toward your bride. You need to go back and make it right. You may have the black and white of it right, but you and I know your heart, and your motives are wrong. Even the spirit of your approach in talking to Pam was all wrong. And I remember there was just like a fire lit in me by the Holy Spirit that I got to make this right and I can't wait. Like I got to do it right now. And I remember running after you and I said, Pam, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. And you were like, no, no, I, it was almost like, you're like, no, no, I agree. Like, and I remember you saying, you know, I, I need to do this or whatever. And, but I'm wrong. The Holy Spirit just told me that I need to repent. I apologize. I'm sorry for trying to best you in this discussion. I'm sorry for you know, not being the true partner that I'm supposed to be to you. Thank God for that, because it was the Holy Spirit's direction over the years in moments like that to even know if we don't have God's direction, we don't even know when to repent. No. And it was God's direction in moments like that that helped me to know when to repent and say, I'm sorry, helped me to know when to to say, I'm wrong. What I'm saying right now is wrong. And thank God for that correction. I just want, Pam, you to lead us in a closing prayer here that's praying some of this word that we've read in Proverbs 5 and helping us to take the word, absorb it now with the Holy Spirit's help, and authorize it. Because that's what you're going to do when you're about to pray. You're going to lead us in authorizing these principles of wisdom. Right now, let's just do that. Father, I thank you that you are good and your mercy endureth forever. And I thank you, Lord, that we have chosen, and our family that's listening right now, they've chosen to listen to the voice of your wisdom. They want your understanding. They want to think and do things your way. And Father, that's what we want to do. And I thank you for right now that we have the mind of Christ. We're led by your Holy Spirit. And we commit right now, all of us, we commit to be attentive to your wisdom, your godly wisdom. And we will pay attention. We incline our ear to your understanding so that we know what is profitable and what is prudent for the future. Mm -hmm. Father, we thank you that the discernment as we get more wisdom and understanding, our discernment will be more fine-tuned so we quickly know what is the voice of God and what is not the voice of God. What is your way of thinking and doing things and what is the world and the evil way of 
love doing things. And we choose to listen to your voice. We choose to do things your way. Yes. We bow our knee to you, Lord. And I thank you that you crown us with your glory, your truth, your wisdom, and your understanding today. And Father, I bless our family that's listening right now. Mm. We say blessings on you. In Jesus' name. I bless your mind, your will, and emotions. The condemnation I command to go. Yes. Fear I command to go. Joy be replaced in its place. In Jesus' name. And Lord, right now, I just speak alignment to their relationships. Holy Ghost alignment. In Jesus' name. Lord, that they would discern, have discernment Mm -hmm. to know who an enemy is so that they might Mm -hmm. forgive them and love them the biblical way. And Lord, that they might know who one another is, that they might love the way Jesus loved us that they might give themselves that way. And that, Lord, the world around us might know who you are, that we are your disciples and who you are and your saving grace. Because without your love for us, without your sacrifice on the cross, all of us would be lost. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Hey, so good spending time with you today. And in the Word, we love reading the Word. Yes, that's Man, right. this is so good. <laughs> it really is. So go to our website whenever you get a chance, stephenandpam.com. Yes. Please like this podcast. Like it, like it, like it. Five star, like it. You know you got some people right now, some family, I bet, that need to hear this podcast because everybody's got family that needs to learn how to have biblical boundaries for their relationships. So you want to solve some of your problems? Help us help you. Make sure that they get hooked up with this podcast and we'll read it for them, right? We'll read it to them. And anybody that's sick and struggling or maybe just even lonely, get them hooked up on this podcast so that they can hear the word because there's healing in the word of God, right? There's healing and every word from God is filled with the DNA of God. And that's what I love what we're doing today. Just as we meditate on God's word, we're getting a DNA transfer from heaven. Thank God. (laughs) God bless you, friend. Have an awesome day. And just remember, no matter what you're feeling, no matter where you are, the truth is you You are are born born to win. win. Thanks for listening to Stephen and Pam Marshall. To receive more information or more teaching, go to www.stephenandpam.com. Stephen and Pam Ministries is a 501c3 charitable organization, and your gift helps us to take this message to 1,000 communities worldwide.